0: I can't think of anything more fall than ducking into a bookstore in New York City in the afternoon. It's kind of cold outside, but not too cold, just cold enough to wear your favorite sweater and hiking boots. And maybe it's, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon and no one knows where you are because you just went for a walk. And so you look at all the titles. You know, I find myself roaming around thinking about all the artists, all the creative people, all the interesting people who took the time to create this stuff and the journey that these books took to get there, to be on the shelf. That in itself is almost enough. Like, I don't even need to read the books. I just need to look at them and look at the artwork on the titles and think about who drew them and who designed them and, and just, you know, all the conversations around what should you call the book and the agent saying this is not going to work and just, they're just full of energy, these books, without even cracking open a title. I say this because since the pandemic and since I've trained to be a coach, um, I've had more time and have dedicated more time to reading myself. And so I have stacks of books that I have purchased in these little sojourns to the bookstore in New York City um, that have sat on my shelf waiting, waiting patiently for me to read them. And now it has become part of my practice. These are books, um, well, some were fiction, and I can share some of those with you as well. But today I want to share with you just like a little passage from an old book that actually I didn't buy, but rather I borrowed from my dad because I remembered him reading it way back when I was a kid. Um, I remembered the title and it came up in a conversation about high performance, which is an area that I work in in my coaching. And I asked my dad, I asked him, I said, do you have the the inner game of tennis? And he said, oh my gosh, I remember that book like from the 70s or something. Um, and I think I might have it. But I don't know. Anyways, long story short, he didn't find that one, but he found The Inner Skiing, which is by Timothy Galway and Bob Kriegel, um, all kind of based on the same concepts. And I cracked it open. I was super excited. It's an old book. Um, it even has, um, you know, the the yellow pages and it has a a little piece of stationery from the senior vice president of a company that my dad used to work for. I don't know, 40 years ago. Um, so it's called inner skiing and I thought how appropriate because when I borrowed it from him, I was in the Laurentians and I had just met a high performance ski coach. Synchronicity? Yeah. Anyways, I, um, I've decided that I'm going to try a little something. And with some of these amazing books that I've been reading, I'm going to just take a few moments to, you know, share with you guys some of the stuff I've highlighted. It's been difficult for me not to highlight all of these books. (laughs) Um, But I am sort of synthesizing them a little bit and picking out some passages that I think are meaningful. And that if you know, you might be interested in a further conversation, um, it gives you sort of a A lens into the kind of work I do. So, this is a little passage I'm going to read from uh, Timothy Galway and Bob Kriegel's The Inner Skiing. And keep in mind that, you know, he's talking about skiing and skiers, but you can replace that as a metaphor for mastery in whatever it is you are doing. Um, In my case, I use it as a metaphor for life. Um, But again, insert whatever is important to you in terms of mastery. So this section is called, um, other skiers and it, it speaks to a concept, um, that I work with my clients on about awareness, which is truly, um, a foundation principle of the work I do. So other skiers, sometimes the most dangerous hazard on a slope is above rather than below you. That is other skiers falling down is frightening enough. Being knocked down seems unfair increased awareness is our best safeguard. Before skiing a trail, notice the density of traffic on it, taking time to become aware of the degree of proficiency of the skiers and being especially alert to the presence of daredevils. Once in motion, we can develop an increased peripheral awareness of nearby skiers just as players on a team learn to develop peripheral awareness of where their teammates and opposition are. What is recommended is awareness, not paranoia. I love that. If you submit to the fear of collision, you increase your chances of being hit, or at least of falling unnecessarily. If you become distracted by other skiers, who probably wouldn't have hit you in any case, you won't see moguls or subtle changes in the snow. In addition, you yourself become the danger you are trying to avoid. Although in rare circumstances a collision may be unavoidable, the way to minimize the possibility is the same as overcoming irrational fear of it. Be aware and trust yourself. The illusionary aspect of a skier's fear of danger can be decreased and even banished by increasing awareness of the slope itself. And again, guys, just replace slope for life, journey, endeavor, so to do this, we must learn to overcome our tendencies to avoid looking at what we fear. We need to be willing to know the mogul, the ice, the speed, and the other skiers on the slope are there. This increased knowledge results in increased predictability, increased competence, and consequently decreased fear based on illusion. If you find yourself experiencing fear, allow yourself to look directly at those sights which seem frightening. Let yourself soak in all the details, one by one, of each obstacle. Look the dangers in the eye until you feel you know them, or at least until you feel you want to get to know them better. When you start to see obstacles as welcome challenges, fear will disappear. If you still believe that the slope is too difficult for you to ski safely after you've let yourself really examine it, then take a look for a somewhat lesser challenge. That's not cowardice, but good sense. Remember that it's also possible to be deluded by fear into minimizing danger. So that's just a little caveat at the end, meaning, you know, this is not a a prescription to say, oh, just don't be afraid, you know, be aware of what you are afraid of and reduce its power over you by learning to understand it. And to get to know it, and get curious about it. Then, then you're in a position to make a good decision about what you want to do moving forward. So that's just a little, kind of a little uh, snippet I wanted to share with you from this. And you know, I'm going to continue to do this as long as you continue to listen. Um, And you know, the win-win for me is that it just further ingrains some of these principles into my practice and into my teaching and learning. Um, so even if it's only me doing it in this recording, I'm okay with that. But uh, I'm going to plant the seed that I think this this may fall upon some interested ears. And, you know, sometimes it isn't easy to read all those books that you've put on your shelf. So maybe this will help. Maybe this will be the first step to... Uh, Look at that fear and ask yourself why you're not allowing yourself the time to do that. And um, I don't know, maybe this will just uh, stir up a little curiosity. All right, you guys, until the day that we can meet at the bookstore, I wish you health and happiness